Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Touchy Subjects Podcast, the podcast that aims to make those awkward conversations around domestic and sexual violence just a little less awkward. I'm Sean. I'm Allie. And I'm Sierra. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about horror movie tropes because it is October. And as Allie said last week on our last podcast, I absolutely love horror movies. So I had to drag them into a discussion about horror movies, even though neither one of them have any clue what we're going to be talking about. No, Sierra and I are not um, fans or super fans of horror film like Sean is, but we are. Ooh, Sierra, yeah, you got a fly over there. <laughs> um, but we are we are willing to learn and delve into this horror movie genre, but maybe without actually watching horror movies. Yeah, I prefer to stick on like the Scooby-Doo side of things. So um, let's see how that all plays out uh, for your conversation, Sean. <laughs> yeah, this will be great. So what we decided to do this week is one, obviously we did a video. So if you're watching this on Facebook, thanks. If you're hearing us in audio format and you want to see our lovely faces, go ahead and check us out on Facebook. Um, but what I did, instead of looking for a list like we have done on a few episodes, I decided I'd make my own list. So I made my list of five horror movie tropes that relate to the work that we all do in prevention around domestic and sexual violence, and I'm going to see if my co-hosts can figure out why I chose that trope, and then we'll just do a little bit of discussion around them and give some examples. Before we start, can you define trope for those who maybe have not heard that word before? Yeah. So a trope is just going to be something that is used commonly in like film, TV shows, video games, something like that that's easy to identify. So um, if you want, we can just jump right into it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. All right, so the first trope on my list is the final girl. All right, the final girl. So Sierra and I don't know anything <laughs> about these tropes. Like we're just guessing what they are. Sean's gonna most likely correct us. I'm guessing that final girl means that I don't know that there's a woman or a female that's killed last or there's like a there's like she's a special girl. I don't know. That's what I think. Maybe she's somebody definitely the last one alive. I feel like she probably has some sort of part in solving the mystery. Um, I don't really know. That's <laughs> that's what I'm you, I have no idea how this might relate to domestic violence, sexual assault. So I'm you take it away, Sean. You, you really pulled in the um, Scooby-Doo thing there, Sierra. It's like, solve the mystery. Yeah, well, it works. <laughs> you were also closer than Allie. So. Dang. Okay. Points, bonus points. So point to Sierra. So uh, the final girl, just in a very simple definition, is the last character left alive to confront the killer, typically in a slasher movie, but it's in a lot of different horror movies as well. So basically from this trope, there's some common traits that most of the final girls have. Uh, the most obvious one is they're usually female, 
There are some cases where it's a dude, but it's very rare. Um, she will almost always certainly be a virgin. She will always remain fully clothed, if not fully clothed, at least mostly covered. Um, she avoids being killed by sex because being the virgin, she doesn't have sex. They're almost always brunette, so that way you can have the opposition from the dead blonde or killing your blonde female character. Uh, they will probably not drink alcohol, smoke tobacco, or do drugs. And finally, she will probably turn out to be more intelligent and resourceful than the other victims. Occasionally, even going into like an action girl type of character where she's the one performing the actions to make sure that she is the one that survives. Okay, so I'm hearing that she's portrayed as innocent, very feminine, and we are all surprised at the end at how intelligent and witty this female is. Is that is that a good wrap up? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So some examples of like the final girl trope would be like Jess from Black Christmas. Pretty much every Friday the 13th has a final girl scenario. Um, Laurie Strode in Halloween is probably the most famous example of the final girl. But then again, most of the final, most of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, Texas Chainsaw Massacres have final girls, Karen and the Grudge, Trish from Jeepers Creepers. And I could honestly probably spend just the entire episode just listing final girls because there is a lot of them. Okay. So relating this then to what we do for work. Right. How do you think that relates? Go, I'm going to go ahead and turn this over to Sierra because she got the point on this one. So. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go ahead and turn this back over to uh, Sean. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see. I'm curious to, to see how you related these things. Maybe we'll get better at, at this as we go right. through the other tropes. So looking at the final girl and like what she embodies and everything, on one hand, the character seems to be the living embodiment of the stereotypical conservative attitude of what women should be so restricting the woman's sexuality so she can't be sexual she definitely can't be overtly sexual she dresses more conservative um, she won't do things like drugs or use alcohol especially in excess but then on the other hand you also have feminists who have noticed that through the um, final girl trope the male audiences audience members are forced to identify with a female at the climax of the movie That's interesting. Um, what what came to mind? So do these final girls, do they usually live? That, yeah, that's the point of the final girl. She is the... She is basic, it. She is the person that makes it out. So knowing that that the final girl tends to be stereotypical of what society, American society, um, wants of females, it feels like it's reinforcing... Um, it's reinforcing that by like rewarding this girl for being pure and um, a virgin and not risky and like all of those things. It feels like that is being rewarded with her life at the end, which is a really stark and kind of um, gruesome thing. I don't know that like femininity is like you have to be this or you die. I think that's a good contrast to our other media episodes that we've done, too. It's just that expectation that if you don't follow this rule, this rule, and this rule, or fit into this box or that box, then bad things are going to happen one way or another. 
Interesting. Yeah. They're Did we get it, to... teacher? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much how I would imagine, like, for the final girl relating, is that we've created these expectations then for women and that here's the real consequences if you don't live up to these expectations is, like, you're expendable or you're not as much of a woman or you're not worthy of living as much as this other woman. Really fascinating. So the next one, then, is the minority dies first. I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory, mm-hmm. right? That a minority person is the first one to die, often, in horror films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. The name of okay. that one kind of gives that one away a little bit. <laughs> little so bit. That, one's a little, that one cheats a little bit for you. Um, but basically, yeah, the minority character is going to be usually the first one that gets killed off in a horror or slasher film. So movies like Jurassic Park, basically any Friday the 13th movie again, and Scream 2 all have their black characters die first. So how does this relate then to our work? Well, I mean, in our work, we, we know that inequality anywhere affects, um, affects domestic and sexual violence, right? And so um, I think it's pretty clear that if minority or people of color are being killed off first in horror films, it's placing less value on their lives and lived experiences. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything different to say than that. I mean, that definitely makes sense, um, especially in our line of work. And yeah, I don't know. So what I'll add to it, because yeah, you're right. Um, So it shows two societal belief systems, actually. So one, that black people are expendable. And that when we have trained people to view black men as the scariest thing that you could possibly imagine, because when you think to, when you think of like who's going to be someone who's robbing you, who's going to be committing crime, that stereotypical viewpoint goes to a black man. Sure. So if you have a black man be killed first by your monster, you have now created and shown something scarier than the scariest thing you can imagine. That's interesting. Um. Hmm. I don't like that. No. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Um, I see that, though. I get that. So going back, so then looking at what we do for a living is that it's reinforcing the stereotype that we have of a person of color where they're consistently viewed as somebody who is going to be the villain or the scary person. But by having them die first, we've just made something scarier. It sets a precedent. Interesting. Okay. So the next one is the possessed girl. So this, this was is... also one of my favorite ones to look up stuff for. Is this like one of the main girls who maybe uh, makes the wrong decision in trying to solve the mystery or fight the bad guy or whatever you do in Doobie horror movies? Doobie I really doom. don't know. Where are you? <laughs> um, but that kind of gets in a little trouble with whatever it is and then gets possessed out of it or like isn't herself anymore or something like that uh i feel like this might be 
I'm like jumping to the meaning of it in my head. So I'm going to try not to do that. Like it, it, it's just, it's a girl who's possessed by whatever spirit or bad thing is, is there, which can have a lot of meaning if I'm thinking about it further. Yeah. So it's a girl character, a character, typically a girl who is going to be possessed by some kind of demon. And typically the girl that is possessed is a prepubescent girl. So I feel like that poses a juxtaposition in our minds of like women are supposed to be innocent and frail and by putting this possession in them it creates this uncomfort this un- discomfort maybe with audiences or it shocks audiences which itself shouldn't be shocking because women can be in real life, women can be monsters as well, just just as much as men can. But because we have that societal expectation of like a woman's never going to do anything bad if they're possessed, it's a shock factor, maybe. But then does it also kind of play into the fact that she is possessed and that <gasps> makes her not as um, likable for viewers? And it kind of just like, I don't know, kind of sheds more of that darker light on women in general. You're both really close. Hmm. So the purpose of the possessed girl is essentially to be an allusion to puberty, to give the audience an understanding of puberty or basically have a viewpoint of what puberty is supposed to be or what it's doing. This trope got pretty much kickstarted by the movie The Exorcist. Um, And it caused a boom also in real life exorcism requests to the Catholic Church most of which were requested and done to young girls. So in scenes in the film, The Exorcist, you have the possessed girl, Reagan, like masturbating with a crucifix and showing the blood-soaked bed. So either showing her starting her first period or having the common belief of like popping her cherry and no longer being that pure virgin um, because of the demonic possession. We've got a puppy over there. (laughs) So it's also, it also shows them like this. There's something like supernatural about female bodies, specifically young bodies turning into women. There's scenes in it where her like young skin becomes scabbed and grotesque with like pus and everything. She talks about sex and ignores the authority of men and God because she is possessed by a demon. So essentially, this whole thing works to show that the demon isn't actually a demon, but the demon is puberty. And that female sexuality and reproductive maturity is sinful and dangerous. That is interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. I don't think that I would ever have made that connection if I were just watching horror films by myself, which I would never do Mm. because that's terrifying. (laughs) That's the best way to watch horror films. But (laughs) you're wrong. Um, But... I mean, I suppose it makes sense. It, de- it demonizes, um, again, it places value, value on innocence and immaturity and demonizes that growing process, which often comes with women having, being sexual beings and having, I don't know, things that aren't innocent and pure. So I guess it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and looking at the restriction then that gets put on female sexuality and everything, once they go through puberty, 
a woman is also much more difficult now to be controlled. So mm. the end of The Exorcist actually has, like, obviously the demon goes out and she goes back to being her prepubescent self. But also, she's not the only example of this. There's plenty of other, like, possession movies, like Annabelle, The Exorcism of Evelyn. The Exorcism of Emily Rose, The Possession, The Last Exorcism, and there's a bunch more. So this gets used regularly in film. Why? I wonder, you know, I guess I'd never thought about that. Like, little boys are never possessed. I never see any commercials for movies where it's like a little boy that's being, it's always little girls. And I wonder if that has something to do with, like, audiences having empathy for little girls in that way. I I don't know. But that's... um, something to think about it's interesting yeah if we're looking at possession being the allusion to puberty it makes it a lot more difficult to use that trope for boys that's true because we celebrate men going through puberty yeah yeah women are that is not celebrated wow okay so uh the next one um this one might give it away based on the name again um but death by sex. Yeah, I have a feeling that one I can understand. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say people die while having sex. Yeah. Or because of having sex. Yeah. They die while having sex and generally because you give your you make these characters just be really dumb and have sex at really inopportune moments, like the middle of the film when they already know the killer is following them. Or they start the movie off with it, which happens also i believe in friday the 13th it gives that gives the impression that humans have like no control over their sexual desires like yeah there's a demon following us and trying to kill us but this is a really good time why don't we ignore that and be dumb you know like it it doesn't doesn't make any sense why they would do that i mean i feel like it just sends the overall message that sex is bad right and uh especially when they also are making it be dumb characters um being the ones to go through that as well there's also a lot of other things that go into the death by sex than just like saying like sex is bad so don't do it okay because if you look at the characters doing it and you look at how we end up viewing sex in real life sex is a conquest for men Generally speaking, your main serial killers or your main killers and everything in horror films are guys. And the weapons that they use are very personal and are weapons that you can be can use to penetrate. You have Jason's machete, Michael's knife, Freddy Krueger's claw fingers. There's even a point in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where I think it's the second one, where... Leatherface is going to kill some girl and he only stops because it looks like he kind of got off while using his um, chainsaw in a way that almost penetrates her. Mm -mm. No, no. I don't like any of that. Yeah. Um, So when we, so when you view sex as like penetration as male victory, you have your main male character penetrating woman's body another thing that i thought of when we were when you're talking about this is the horror movies that i have seen when there's sex in them it's always 
this couple where the guy is like, come on, baby, let's just come on, like coerced, like convincing a woman to have sex. And she's like, I hear something in the forest, you know, like it's it's coercion. And it, again, shows that like, I mean, it's just perpetuation of unhealthy masculinity. Like, oh, I get what I want, even when there's a murderer chasing us. And then the last piece with death by sex, though, is when your monster is a woman, typically speaking, she's a seductress. Ooh. So she uses her body as her weapon in order to be able to kill people. Which that's... A la Jennifer's body. I was going to say, that's problematic in the fact that it's the... Like, they're automatically demonizing women as sexual beings when... They are, you know, using them as the the monster. Literal demon. Literal. They're yeah. literally demonizing the body. Yeah. Which wow. I also find it interesting, just that it's aptly named the movie Jennifer's Body. The movie is literally, isn't even about her. The movie's about her body. Wow. Who knew there were so many undertones to... Yeah. <laughs> You did. All right. That's fair. That's fair. When you have a half sleeve working on a full sleeve of horror movie characters, like you've looked into a little bit though. And again, a reminder that you can still consume media that is problematic as long as you understand what you're watching. Yeah. So the last one then is probably my favorite trope that I got to like look up for this. And it's the bad mother. Hmm. I'm not so sure what this one could mean. I want to say that it's like a mother or a motherly figure who somehow messes up or is perceived to have been irresponsible in some way, which causes havoc, which causes death. Yeah. The mother, the female or motherly character is essentially going to cause a problem that then led her child to end up being the way that they are. That's loaded. And you probably know the example of who this trope is based upon and how it came about. Because I mentioned him last week. Or last episode. Ed Gein. Oh, oh, sure, 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 sure. Ed Gein's yeah. mother, Augusta, is your template for how this trope came to be thanks to alfred hitchcock so the interesting with ed gein is like when i was like researching stuff up for him too just because i wanted to make sure i had like a really good connection into the characters that he and his mother both um helped inspire is that because of the relationship that ed gein had with his mom there was a psychologist who was like studying his case and decided that it was the result of his desire to recreate the existence of his own mother after she passed away that led him to do the things that he did. So it's based on that description, though. We can see how he was the inspiration for Norman Bates because in Norman's story, um, he is technically the monster, but the real monster even mentioned at the end of the film is that it's not Norman anymore. It's Norma. His brain has basically had multiple, he basically had multiple personalities where his mind was Norma and him. And by the end of the film, the Norma half of his brain had taken over. 
So whenever he killed anybody he was attracted to, it was the Norma side of his brain taking over. That's some, that's some stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, you need to cut out the part because I was confusing Ed Gein with um, starts with an L. The guy that killed his mom and then had sex with her head. Oh, I have no idea. Okay, so I got that wrong when I was talking about Ed Gein. Okay. So you might want to cut that. Okay. Anyways, um, so it feels like I mean. It feels like it feels like what the horror movies are doing then is it's villainizing bad moms. It's like putting all this pressure on women to be good mothers, which is a, a virtue and a value in our society that um, I mean, it's been held for millennia. You know, women have to be have to be good mothers. And if they're not, their children will turn out bad and it's their fault. And it uh, it's funny because you don't have that onus put on men it's never bad fathers that are the outcome of their child being psychotic like norman bates (laughs) or when you're looking at it because augusta so ed gein's mom she wasn't a bad mom she experienced abuse in their family her husband also abused ed and his brother she did the best that she could with everything. And she was a relatively good mom and she had a loving relationship with her son. But it's because of how Ed turned out and what he did because of his schizophrenia that she was turned into this bad mother. Yeah, it's like it's like our society has a tendency to be like, oh, men can't, he can't, there can't be something actually wrong with him. He must have been raised this way like it must have been her her fault somebody else's fault can't Mm -hmm. be his mental health and we mentioned i mentioned last week how ed gein was a represent or at least an inspiration for a couple different characters so like norman bates um leatherface and texas chainsaw massacre and buffalo bill and silence of the lambs but what doesn't get brought up often is if you look at um jason Voorhees in friday the 13th his mother is the killer in the first movie. Jason doesn't exist. Jason has been killed, essentially, because she assumed his son, her son had drowned at Camp Crystal Lake. At the end of the movie, you find out, oh, he has been alive. He's just been living in the woods all these years. And then as Jason starts killing people, he hears his mother's voice in his head saying, yes, Jason, kill them. So it's the loving relationship that he had with his mother that led him down this path of being this killer once he came back to life. That's pretty disturbing. Yeah, I mean... A lot after, of these are disturbing. After this whole conversation today, I don't really uh, have the urge to watch any horror movies anytime soon. What? I've never had I'm about that to go urge binge all the Friday I... the 13th. Which is ironic because I'm getting married on a Friday the 13th. But that's <laughs> because I feel the opposite way about Friday the 13th. <laughs> Um, interesting so so then like looking at all of these tropes together if you're one the general consensus or the at least the belief system is that horror films were essentially created for men Mm -hmm. these were stories written and created by men for men so when your movies are created through that male lens it's really easy to see how all of these things then trickle in 
and get used and used and used over and over and over again because that's the general viewpoint of your audience already. So you're just re reaffirming what they already know. Yeah, and horror films, like, glorify, they, like, mix sex and violence and blood and gore, and I, I think that might be a, a different conversation, but that's something that I feel, like, with our work and how violence is, portrayed um horror films often portray it in like a like a sexual manner or i don't know related to anyways but fun fact audience viewership for horror films is usually pretty split really it's not it's not like true crime where a majority of listeners are fem like are female like with horror it's usually a pretty good split between men and women yeah that is interesting it's just a different genre Different strokes for different folks, right? Is that bad? Is that a no, is that a bad? Just, no. Is that just an old lady thing? That I yeah, said? pretty much. Okay. <laughs> I didn't have any idea what to expect coming into the conversation today. Like I knew that Sean was going to geek out on um, horror movie things, and that Ellie and I would be confused. But I like I would never would have thought to have so many different parallels between the work that we do and um. um yeah I didn't know what to expect either but I find it interesting even though I'm not a huge fan of the genre um I think that it's just another example about like I said earlier there are as long as we're educated and we're analyzing the content that we're watching um we can find problematic things in a lot of places and when we're looking at media, like we've mentioned in multiple different media episodes, is that while, yeah, some of those things like you're like, oh, I wouldn't have thought about that unless like you, until someone pointed it out to me or something like that. It's like, it's kind of the point is that we've gotten so used to that messaging or we've just connected the two <clears throat> to the point where it's difficult to understand and see like the puberty allusion to being a demonic possession. It's like. That's also not something that I really thought about until I really started like watching these things more intently using the lens of like my work brain, not my I love horror movies brain. So it makes it a lot easier to see them when because especially coming from that lens, like it's easier to understand how things can correlate to domestic or sexual violence. So how we can see those things pop up more is just really interesting. It's like a lot of the things that I love and enjoy have really bad messaging in it. But it's not messaging you'll understand unless you're like looking for it or trying to understand the messages that the films or TV shows or whatever is trying to give. Yeah, I think it just it just goes our whole conversation today goes to show that um, that these, you know, that it, it reaches every genre. You know, it's not even just mainstream TV and comedies and romantic comedies like domestic and sexual violence and, and their root causes are dispersed through our entire culture. So. Well, thanks for doing all that research, Sean. <laughs> oh, no problem. Today Any... we learned, right, Sierra? I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still taking it all in. That's for sure. Yeah. A little bit. Well, thank you all for listening to me geek out for about a half hour about horror movies. It was a blast researching it. Um, hopefully you like, hopefully you like this format. Um, we're going to try to do more like Facebook video stuff every now and then as well. But we figured because Halloween is coming up next week, this would be like the best time to have this come out and do stuff like this. So 
Um, thanks for listening and or watching. If you are listening to this just on a, like a listening app and not on our Facebook, please feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TouchySubsPod. Email any questions, comments, or concerns to TouchySubjectsPodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects.